Welcome to the Amity Bible Church with our pastor, Dr. Les Smith, because our vision is to become the church that Christ intended it to be, to know God and to make him known as our mission. And we are committed to loving God, serving others, and are unashamedly obsessed with sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you can always get the message online, YouTube, Facebook, and our podcast that's aired on all major podcast platforms. Make sure you like and subscribe to all three. We are wrapping up the fifth and final installment of the Loving God series. Today, Pastor Martin will explain the essential response to love. Turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4, verses 15 through 19, and let's listen as Pastor Martin dives deeper into the message. This entire month, we've been on a journey of discovery and exploration as we've we, we've posed a problem and then a solution. The reality that God loves us, and he's stated that and demonstrated that through Jesus Christ, but that very often we are not necessarily recognizing the need to love him. Now, as we consider something that our Lord Jesus uh, prophesied, he said that, that the love of many, in the last days, the love of many would begin to wax cold. Yeah. It's important to understand this because as we think about love, if God is the essence of love, if God is love, and then we are to love him because he first loved us, if in fact we know that love will begin to wax cold, that it is necessary for us to then keep coals on the fire of love. Because he didn't say love would go away. He said it would wax cold. We understand this in relationship. You're in relationship with someone. Things kind of cool off. When you get going, it's all hot and heavy. Amen? Amen? Boy, I can't get enough. I can't see you enough. I can't hear your voice enough. I can't talk to you enough. I want to do all I can with you. But then as things cool off, you know, you don't call as often. Don't, you're not writing poems anymore. Don't know where the flower shop is anymore. Can be standing there in Kroger where there's flowers on sale and still don't pick up any. Because things begin to cool off. However, things only cool off because they're not attended to. Because when you continue to cultivate love, love doesn't cool off, it continues to rejuvenate. So we've been talking all month about the need to recognize God loved us. And that should draw upon us to continue to cultivate and discover in more ways again and again and more and more, how can I love you? How can I demonstrate my love for you? Sir Isaac Newton, the, the famous scientist and, and, and physicist from the 18th and the 17th century, his third law declared for every action there is an equal or opposite reaction. If we bring that principle into the context of loving God, that how God, when he first declared, I love the world, he actioned, he gave. For God so loved the world, he 
gave his only begotten son. So if Newton is right with his law, he says, for every action, there should be an equal or equal or opposite reaction. The idea that God would show himself through his love and demonstrate that love through his son should in fact have a reaction in all of mankind to say, God, I love you. Because ultimately, if God has given his love and demonstrated his love, we understand he loved us. And as John says, we love him because he first loved us. A mother and daughter had a breach in a relationship. The daughter had become disrespectful, dishonoring of the mother. And so ultimately they had a lot of conversations. There was a lot of effort to try to bring, the, bring a resolution. They conversed, they talked, she shared various different things. The mother even tried to remind the daughter for the nine months, I carried you, growing inside me. But that still did not resolve the matter. So the mother determined, here's what I'm going to do. My plan of action is, I'm just going to show and tell. So what the mother did is that rather than bringing up things that she would say, hey, hey, I've, I've done all these things. I've provided you a place to live. I've done all these things. And then say, you ought to be grateful. What she did was she decided that every time she did something, an action that was out of her love, she would simply say, I love you. So the mother made breakfast. I love you. She didn't, she didn't discuss this with the daughter. She just did it. She, did, she, she, she laid things out for her. I love you. She asked, the daughter asked to take her somewhere. She took her, and she got out of the car and said, I love you. Now, here's the thing. Over time, the daughter was kind of curious because she just keeps saying, I love you, but she's not saying anything else. So here's the thing. The daughter began to understand all of the things that the mother was doing out of love. And then eventually the daughter responded back with, Mom, I love you. Because see, her action of demonstrating her love didn't need to be explained. It simply needed to be said and shown. And thus the daughter responded and said, I love you. Because for every action, there's an equal or greater reaction. Love is considered the international language. That you don't have to know the same verbal language to understand love. So ultimately, love doesn't have to be explained. It has to be demonstrated and then understood what the action means. So when God says, I love the world, he demonstrated his love. Now, the thing that we must understand, Jesus is the one who brought this great message. He says, for God so loved what he gave. Now, notice this, Jesus is speaking in the present tense to Nicodemus, but speaking in the past tense. 
Because he said, for God so loved the world, he's already given me. He gave. His only begotten He hadn't gone to the cross. He hadn't suffered, but he's already done because God has settled it out of his love. He had settled the matter that this is my response to man's actions, which brings us to our first point. The actions of sin prompted God's reaction of love. We go back to the Garden of Eden. God forms man with his own hands. Now, I want you to see this because if you haven't understood how much God loves mankind, watch this. In creation, every other part of God's creation, he simply spoke it. The, the Lord says, let there be, and it was. Let there be, and it was. But then when he came to man, the Bible says he scooped up. Some of the dust of the ground and formed man. And watch this. And then he breathed his own breath into man. So in the garden, we see the essence of God's love for mankind on display. Watch now. However, just with the mother and the daughter, the breach became when the children, those whom God had created, decided that they didn't want to honor his way. And then they disobeyed. Sin came into the world and the breach happened. So now you follow generation after generation where we are generational. Uh, we have this, this curse that continues to pass on to each generation of being rebellious against the one who loved us enough to put his hands on us. Now, any parents here today know that if you had children for any length of time, there's times you wanted to, you've laid hands on them. But it wasn't the same the laying hands that God did when he formed Adam. Amen? Amen. You laid some hands like, hey, hey, son, I told you. Daughter. But notice this God, he, fought, he lays his hands, he puts his hands on mankind. And he forms them. And then from there we decide we got a different way than his. Isaiah says, all we like sheep have gone astray and have gone after our own way. So when mankind decided that it had a better way, it prompted God's reaction of love. In this first John chapter four, slide up to verse number nine. Here's what the word says. John says, in this, the love of God was demonstrated or manifested toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. The reality is, is that when we find uh, Christianity, when we find a reference today, it's referenced in context to just being religion one of the three major religions of the world. 
The reality, we discovered this earlier in our, in our, in our series, that God did not send Jesus to establish another re religion. There was plenty, plenty of religion when Jesus came. We find that Paul even talks about, he traveled to an area and the Greeks even had a, 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 a banner up saying, to the unknown God, they would worship something, they didn't even know who it was. So there was plenty of religion because religion ultimately is, is a set of beliefs with practices that follow. So Jesus did not come to establish a great religion. He came because the Father was looking to remove the divide or the breach that had separated mankind from him in the garden. He was looking for relationship. I don't want to miss this because here's the thing. The Bible says that God breathed the breath of life into mankind. Because of that very act, all of mankind has known, whether it's acknowledged or not, a an awareness or been drawn to a divinity, to the, to the divine. So thus, we then create our own religions. We've got all different, different ways of doing things. But yet God says, I want to show you because here's the thing. John says that Jesus Christ was God made flesh. Now, that's a struggle because for some who says, well, if Jesus is God in flesh, Jesus, he and the Father are one, how could a God allow himself to suffer at the hands of that which he created? Because here's what John says in John chapter 1. He says, and he was in the world, speaking of Jesus, and the world was made by him. Watch this now. I'm watching my son. He had gathered up all of his little, 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 little figures and he had them down and he had put everything together and he was given directions as to what everything there had to do. In that moment, I see he is the Lord over that whole thing. Now imagine that he would humble himself enough to become one of those figures and allow those figures to rule over him. Because here's the thing, he did all of that because of the Father's love. See, when we start to really dig deep to understand God's love, it demands of us some response. Because why would he do that when no one is forcing him to do it? But he does it anyway. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3 through 5. Write this down if you would. You don't have to turn it. I'm going to read it for you. But Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3 through 5 says this. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, 
fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as others. He says, Paul says, listen, we've all had our thing. Even the person who believes that they're a, they're a good person has some bad days. That's why when you, if, you're, if you are considering, uh, you're dating someone and it's going, it, it sounds like it's going well, and you feel that, hey, uh, this, is, this may be the right one, just stop and just make sure that they are able or have the capacity to love on the good days and on the bad days. In my, in my, in my discovery uh, days, I was, I, I was, I was dating. And, and, and so the, the young lady said to me, she says, if you treat me good, I'll treat you great. And I said, wow, that's pretty good. But then wisdom kicked in and said, wait, hold on. Because if this thing goes further, some days ain't going to be so good. So if I do the math, good gets great. Just a little bad might get horrible. And then I might be on the rooftop like the proverb said, just, just want a morsel. Like, oh, Lord, that contentious woman in the house. But watch this. He goes on to say, but God. So he says, we've all had our thing, we've all gone, and we've, we, we've all messed things up. But he says, but God, verse 4, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, which he has for us, watches even when we were dead in trespasses and sin, have made us alive together with Christ. By grace, we've been saved through faith. Ultimately, he says, we all have a penalty and don't deserve the love of God. But he says, <laughs> but God is rich in mercy. Rich in mercy. He's so rich that, 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 that Jeremiah describes this way, that he renews his mercy every morning. I was looking at this. So there's a, there's a, a new computer that is a supercomputer is being, being developed. And they were talking about, they were using terms that we don't talk about on a daily basis. Uh, you know, we use terabytes and, and, and megabytes. They were talking about pictobytes and like, what is a pictobyte? Because it said that ultimately, this computer, in a matter of one second, could have 500 million different thoughts that it's going to go through or processes it will go through to come up with an answer. And then it hit me, Minister Anthony, God must have more than a pictobite of mercy because every morning... New mercies are, are renewed because I know that there's been some days that at 12 o'clock I had used all the mercies of that day. And if it had been one more minute, I'd run out of mercy. But thanks be to God at 12.01, new mercies. 
new mercies came for the day ahead because God is rich in mercy. So ultimately, our sin prompted his mercy, his love being demonstrated because he's rich in mercy, which takes us to point number two. It is an amazing act of love. I want you to hear this. It's an amazing act of love. It's not just big love. Because here's the thing you have to understand. We don't necessarily have a good sense of what real love is. In the 90s, Tina Turner sold, went multi-platinum with a little song that had a real catch to it. And I still remember to this day that, 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 that the, the, the video because, it, it, you know, MTV and all that was kind of getting started. And so, but the song was simply this. What's love got to do with it? And it was deemed to be a breakout for her. A freedom from whatever she had been through or the relationship that wasn't going well with Ike, that all these things was deemed all these great things, but she simply said one thing, love ain't got nothing to do with it. He sa she said this, it's a secondhand. Wait a minute, hold on, wait a minute, because if I'm understanding that God in his rich love and rich mercy for us gave Jesus, I have to understand love has everything to do with it because that was not a secondhand emotion. It was an amazing act of love. Look at verse 16 in this first John chapter 4. He says, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. See, here's the thing. John is right. He says, listen, we have believed this and know it. Because when you begin to understand the breach that's created by sin and the fact that we all have sin and have a sin debt to pay, but we don't have enough to pay it, then we understand why we need grace. Because it says, for by grace we've been saved. Here's what Romans chapter 5, verse 6 and 8 says. He says, for when we were still without strength, didn't have it. I don't know about you, but I have been in the store. I, we were, the other day, I, was, I, was, I didn't have a debit card. I thought I had some money in my pocket. Thought I did. You know, today we got everything is swiping and, and slipping in and put the chip in and tap this and, and just press that. So I thought I had some, some in there. I'm saying, man, I'm in line. Hit my pocket. There's nothing there. Now, how is this going to play out? Am I going to wait until I get to the front of the line, Sister Connie, and have the woman say, sir, you don't have any money at all? Am I going to just ease out of the line and put my items back and go on out like everyone else? I chose the latter. I was not going to have that moment. I'm going to try to explain how I left my card. And, and I, 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 uh, uh, uh. Here's the thing. 
Then I had this experience. I'm in Kroger again, but this is self-checkout. And I get up there, and you know, it's card only. I don't have wallet, ID, debit card, anything. And I'm saying to myself, I told the young man, I said, I know I've rung all this up, but I have inadvertently left my wallet. And I know that sounds like a, a trick, or, <laughs> but I truly have done that. But here's what happened. I grabbed my phone. I said, honey, I'm in the self-checkout. I bagged and swiped all of this grocery. But my wallet is at home on the dresser. And here's what she said. I'll be there in a minute. Watch now. Paul says, when we were, there, we were without strength, we didn't, ha- we didn't have the capacity. We didn't have the capacity to pay the debt that we had. But when we called out and said, Father... I'm a sinner. Please save me. He says, I'll be right there. Why? Because I'm rich in mercy. So Paul says, why we were still without strength. In due time, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. But here's what he says. For scarcely... For a righteous man, one would die. Yet perhaps for a good man, some would even dare consider dying. But God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, while I was still raggedy, low down, toe down, broke down, and laid down, While I was still a sinner, Christ died. God said, I love the world. I'm sending my son. Jesus is declaring it in the past tense because it was already settled. But God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we need to deal with this text because here John says, we've seen and we know this. You got to slide up to verse 14, verse 14 to see this. Because here's what John said, for we have seen and testify that the father has sent the son as the savior of the world. There's three things we must deal with in this text to understand when John in verse 16 says, we know this, we believe this. So the first thing he says, we've seen. Here's what they saw. They saw the Son of God in human nature because they saw him get tired. They saw him hunger. They saw him literally growing and developing. They saw him in human form. They also saw his holy converse, his teaching, as they saw him going around. They saw how he conducted himself. And then they saw him do some things that they had never seen done. One particular miracle they did uh, when the man was born blind because there had been recorded cases of people losing their sight and regaining their sight. But here was a man that had been born blind. Now, I want to believe one of the things that was there is that he did not have the capacity, maybe not even the sockets were not there, were not filled. We don't know exactly, but it says he was born and they made us, they stressed the fact that this was, he was born blind. 
and they saw Jesus healing. Here's the thing. They also, John was one of the three, Peter, James, and John. Jesus took them up on the mount, and he gave them a glimpse of his glory. He was transfigured in front of them, and they saw him, and they said, and we beheld him as the only begotten son. And while they're there, God says, this is my beloved son. Hear you him. Here's the other thing. They also saw him die. And oh, did he die. Oh, they beat him and they, 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 they brutalized him and they, they nailed him to the cross. They pierced him in the side. They saw him die. But watch this. Then they saw him get back up after three days. And even one of them, Thomas, said, listen, uh, just to make sure this ain't no ghost, I, unless I can put my finger in the holes that I saw they put in his hand and stick my hand in the hole I saw them put in his side, I won't believe. But he said, come, check me out. Matter of fact, give me something to eat. Then they saw his royal ascension as he was teaching them his final message, the Bible says he was received into heaven. They had seen, so John says, we have seen and heard enough. The case is closed. What we saw and what we experienced is enough to convince us this was the son of God. Now he says, we seen, and then the next thing he says, and we testify. Here it is. The weight of this truth, when we talk about who Jesus is and the love that God demonstrated through him, the weight of this truth obliges us to testify. The weight of this truth, it demands of us to testify to the world of the salvation we have. In Christ Jesus, because once our eyes, the evidence of this truth, it wants us to testify as eyewitnesses. We said, wait a minute, I wasn't there with Jesus. No, but you saw who you were before Jesus came. You're an eyewitness of what has happened in your life. And all you can do is tell that person, listen, I don't know about you, but let me tell you, I once was lost, but now I'm found. So testify. Then finally, he says the third thing, that, that this is the Son of God who is the Savior of the world. When you hear saving something, some of us are not good savers, so we, if we get a $100 paycheck, we spend 100 We don't do great, great with saving, but we understand what saving means. Saving means to preserve or to retain. He says that Jesus came as the Savior, Redeemer, Preserver, the Keeper of the world. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in Him should not perish but have Watch this. Here's the key. Verse 17 says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him 
might be saved. This is important because we talked about this the other week that, that love has to say no. Because God says no to sin does not mean he's, do, he's desiring to condemn. He's wanting to be known that there's a need for the Savior. See, if I don't believe anything's broken, I'm not going to fix it. Here's what would happen. If you would happen to drive tomorrow, Sister Karen, and you whipped into Midas or, or Firestone Auto Center, and you said, hey, the car, they say, uh, uh, what's wrong with your car, ma'am? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> I just want y'all to fix it. After you go sit down and say, yes, ma'am, uh, give us your keys. Pretend they're typing something in, get on the phone, pretend they're calling for a part. Officer, we need some help down here. There's a lady, there's a lady, we believe something's going on. She brought a perfectly functioning car in and she wants us to fix it. Because there's something fundamentally wrong about trying to fix something when you don't believe something's wrong. The reality is this, unless we know that, the, that something's broken, we're not going to look to fix it. So God sent Jesus in the world to let us know we have a sin debt. However, I've sent the remedy and I've sent what you need to pay the debt. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but that the world through him might be saved because the world, we must recognize we are in need of saving. We're drowning. We were drowning in sin. Someone, you may say, hey, man, my life is, is absolute chaos. And I just don't know how to find any peace in my life. And you feel like you're drowning. Drowning in life. Drowning in emotion. Drowning with chaos. But here's the message of hope. That Jesus is the Savior of the world. I was at, uh, there's, a, there's a place as a kid, a place called Indiana Beach. It's just a lake. Um, and so you go, they've got some, I don't know if it's real, I, I guess it's real sand. Because I guess, guess there could be sand in Indiana. But there's, there's a little area, they call it the beach. You know, you go out there, it's a lake. And it, it was rough sometimes, you know, because it just, you know, it was just a lake right there. And so we're out there, and so they have this thing where they roped it off, and then there's a floating diving board. They say, if you can swim, you can go out there. So they tell you that you, can, you have to prove to the lifeguard that you can swim. So they do a few tests, and they say, okay, you are able to do this. So what happened is they told me this. And so I had never uh, been in water, Brother Jerome, that was more than maybe eight feet. So when I uh, got out there, you're out there alone, I got on the diving board and I jumped off. Now, I really wanted to impress because they were looking, so I, I sprung a few times. I, I wanted to get as much air I could get. Now, what I didn't understand was that, uh, Raul, that once I got up so high, the come down was gonna go just as far. As I hit the water, now this, remember this is, this is a lake, and it's kind of murky, it's not that clean, and I was afraid to open my eyes, and, and so I, hit, I went down, and I'm down, and it seemed like I was never going to stop going down, but then I started to try to come up. 
And it seemed like I was never, I couldn't see. I was afraid to open my eyes, but just kept doing this and doing this. And finally, I felt the top of my head come out of the water. And I thought, oh, whew, I'm safe. The reality is, sometimes life feels just like that. Oh, you've been really doing it your way. You've been, you've been, you've been really trying to impress. You're on that diving board and you really, and you dive off into life. You get all the airtime that you want. But the reality is that once you start heading down, it can feel just as desperate as I felt. But here's the answer, that no matter how deep that you find yourself in the waters of life, there is a Savior. Because here is the reality. That Savior, Jesus, no matter how low you go, no matter how far you get, it only takes one action on your part to say, help me. He's right there. That leads me to the third and final point for the day. A blessed hope assured. That we have a blessed hope that is assured. Back in 1 John chapter 4, we need verse 17. Look what it says. Here's what John says. Love has been perfected among us in this key, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. There's coming a day, there's coming a time. I know in our society today, the word or the terminology judgment or judge is one that we is, it's almost to the point of prohibition. You're judging, you're judgmental. The reality is that there will be a day of judgment for all. And here's the thing. John said, because we've come to understand and believe and accept this love that God has shown us, he says, now we have boldness in the day of judgment. He's not talking about uh, being haughty. He's saying that we can have confidence that when we stand before the great judgment seat, we'll find that, yes, they're going to open the books of life and show all the actions that we've done and all the things that we've done. But after reading off all those actions, they're going to close that book and they're going to open another book, the book of the Lamb's book of life. And when they open that book, they're gonna go down and look for your name and looking for, I'm looking for, yeah, I was married a couple of times, I changed my name a few times, but I'm looking for that name. Your name, the one that defines you. Because John was saying, we have boldness because we know our name is in the book. And here's the thing. You can have the same assurance by placing your faith, your confidence 
in the love of God through Jesus Christ. This last thing I'll say. Our reaction to God's love is an essential reaction. It should be that after we understand God's actions of love toward us through Christ, the essential reaction should be, I love you, God. Thank you for visiting the Amity Bible Church. If you're in need of prayer, counsel, or if we can assist you in any way, please don't hesitate to ask. If you would like to join, contact us, or receive these and other sermon notes, visit us at amitybc.org. Until next week, be blessed.